Good morning. You can play with the babies after the service. <laughs> I'm still kind of freaked out by Kendall's hair. Are you changing the name of your firm? Is it going to be straight red? Yeah. So, are we there yet? Who has heard that question from the back seat already this summer? Yeah, yeah, we've got a couple months yet to go. Are we there yet? The worst is when you're not even out of the state. What state are we? We're still in Baltimore County, honey. It's going to be a while. We are not there yet, but we are halfway there. Those of you who have been around for a while know that we have been in the Book of Romans for the last couple of years, and today we hit the halfway point. We're still there, yes. We're still, we're still there. Halfway point is the end of chapter 8, and that's where we are today. Now, if we didn't know otherwise, if we didn't have anything coming after that, if we were perhaps one of the people in the congregation in Rome when Paul's friend Lydia came and read this letter from him to them, they may well have thought that we were at the end. I mean, after all, think about how this would work as a conclusion. Don't, don't read, just listen to this. And We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who are the ones called according to his purpose. For those whom God, knew, God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, so that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. So what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is He that condemns Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you can just hear Paul going straight from there to now him to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him to the only wise God to be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Except there's about eight more chapters in between those. He's not done yet. Yesterday I, I uh, performed a wedding 
uh, at the cloisters, which is lovely but not air-conditioned. And the, uh, the bride uh, got carsick on the way to the wedding, so we started about a half an hour late by the time she finally got herself settled down and was able to put on her dress without worrying about throwing up all over it. Uh, and as I was preaching the wedding service, just sort of watching everybody wilting, I, uh, I got to the point that was going to be right before my conclusion, and I said, no, I think that'll work as my conclusion. Let's, let's go on to the vows. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul has more to say. So let's look ahead a little bit at what more he has to say. You'll notice on the cover of your bulletin, a picture of the Winter family. It's a shame they're out of town today. This is a picture of that triumphant moment when baby Jonah in the back seat swapped from being backward-facing to being forward-facing in his car seat. It was awesome because Jonah found it much less frustrating to look at where he was going than to look at where he had been. Some of you may have had that same experience with your kids where when, when you switched them around, finally they were much less fussy in the back seat. And so we as a congregation in Romans, now are facing forward. We are on the other side of the hill. We are looking forward to where we are going. That doesn't mean, of course, we're not going to look back from time to time at where we have been, but what we will find is that in the final eight chapters of Romans, Paul is going to be building on what he has established firmly here in the first eight is established that all of us, whatever our ethnic or religious background, all of us are sinners desperately in need of God's grace. In fact, we are imprisoned unless God himself rescues us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And having done that, he gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to live within us, to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us, to pray for us even, as we talked about a few weeks weeks ago, when we don't even know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us, the things that we would pray if we could only figure out what we were supposed to pray for and put that into words. All this God gives us, not because of anything we have done, not because of any merit on our own account, not because we're especially good people or we have done something especially selfless or somehow impressed God by what nifty folk we are, God does this all by His grace. None of us deserves this. None of us has this coming by right. For all of us, this is a gift of God by His grace. And having done that, we're going to find out, Paul gives us, or God gives us work to do. Paul puts it this way, In verse 37, in all these things, i.e. in everything that we could possibly deal with, and Darcy did a wonderful job last week about talking about what just what that means for all of for Paul to raise all these rhetorical questions which have obvious answers. Nobody's going to be able to separate us from the love of God. Nobody's going to be able to condemn us. And because we have nothing against us, Paul says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We're not more than conquerors on our own because we trained harder. We're not more than conquerors on our own because we have the right athletic shoes. But that word there comes from the verb hupernikao, has the same root as Nike, which means victory. Just think about that. Every time you 
slap on your running shoes to go to the grocery store instead of to run. You're standing there victorious in the checkout line. And all these, we are super victors. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. In many ways, what we're going to be working on the next two years as we go through Romans, we're taking a break for the summer. Some of you terribly disappointed in this, I'm sure. But Joe is going to be, has put together a series on the book of James that uh, we'll be going through over the summer. And then when we return in September to the book of Romans, we'll be going through over this fall and winter and spring, we'll be going through Romans chapters 9 through 11. In many ways, what Paul is doing there is he's exploring the question of, okay, we are more than conquerors. Well, what do you mean we, white man? The cover of this, year, this week's Jewish Times raises the question, can Jews believe in Jesus? Paul's going to be answering that question. In fact, Paul probably would say, I sure hope so, because who's got two thumbs and is a Jew who believes in Jesus? Paul would say, this guy. But then there are a couple questions that come with that. Should Jews believe in Jesus? Many of my colleagues in the rabbinate, most of them, in fact, all of them, would say no. And will Jews one day believe in Jesus? These are important questions that Paul is going to work through in chapters 9 through 11. You get the sense that 9 to 11 is, is the, the fruit of Paul's most intense theological meditations. In, in many ways, it's the most theoretical passage in all of Scripture. I'd encourage you over the summer to take the time to read that over. I myself plan to look it over once or twice before we start preaching. Go on BibleGateway.com. Read it over and over in different translations. Get a sense for the complexity of the passage, some of the tensions that exist between stuff that's there in chapter 9 and stuff that's there in chapter 11. Who is we? Who's this we who are more than conquerors? But then next year when we go into the final five chapters, 12 to 16, Paul is going to be looking at what does it mean and what does it look like to be super victors, to be more than conquerors. I think what we'll find when we get there is that a lot of the answers we come up with in 9 to 11 will be important there. Getting the we is right because unity, as we'll see, is key to our being able to conquer. Hence the title of the series, Undivided Conquer. But what we'll also see that Paul is talking about is the reality that we are more than conquerors, yet we don't yet see that realized entirely. Kind of like back in verse 30 when Paul says, those he predestined, he also called, those he called, he also justified, those he justified, he also glorified. And it's just rendered as a, as a past tense, but I sure hope I'm getting more glorified than this. I mean, I, my, my glorified body, I, I hope, has two working knees, because this one definitely does. I'm really looking forward, not really looking forward to trading it in, but I'm looking forward to the fact that I will be able to trade this thing in. We are, but we are not yet. This tension between what is already true of us and what is not yet true is one that is sustained throughout the entire book, really, I think, through the whole of the Bible. 
this tension between who we are now, what God has made us, but what He will one day enable us to be by His grace. Because, of course, we are only more than conquerors through Him who loved us. It's this tension between where we are and where we are not yet that electrifies, I think, this whole question of what it looks like to be more than conquerors. We are, but not yet entirely. And so even as we look forward to being where we're going to be, even as we are not there yet, we can still celebrate the fact that we are where we are, as Norm said, that we're here, that our car seat has been turned around, we're facing forward. And my prayer is that the work that we have done over the last couple of years as we have studied deeply, drunk deeply from God's Word here in the first eight chapters of Romans, my prayer is that that will bear fruit for us as we go forward from here together as a church. Let's pray. Lord God, we are grateful for Your Word, and we affirm once again that it is Your Word, that it is entirely trustworthy and reliable, and that we look to it as the supreme authority for all manners of faith and conduct. We recognize that the things we need to know are the things you have revealed to us. We're grateful for what you have revealed, and we're grateful for the way that you've revealed it. Even though you often don't reveal those things in ways we would prefer, even though sometimes your word is puzzling or complicated, there are so many things in it that are difficult to understand. We pray that nevertheless we would be patient hearers of your word, that we would not distort what we read for our own benefit to make it easier, more convenient for us. We pray rather that we would submit humbly to your word, that we would know the experience of reading as it is a sustained act of self-denial, sustained act of discipline, a sustained act of humility, as Eugene Peterson put it. And we pray that as your Spirit illuminates what we read and hear, whether we're reading at home, alone, whether we're reading on an iPhone someplace in a hotel, whether we're reading together in house church, or in a classroom, pray that whatever the setting, your spirit would guide us into all truth as we delve deep into this word that you've given us. We thank you for the blessed Apostle Paul and for this book that you inspired him to write. We pray that we would be formed into a more faithful community, a more victorious community by it. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand as we close our time together.